Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. This is Trading Spaces. That was Guy Adami. I'm Dan Nathan. We do these every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. They're sponsored by CME Group. Guy's going to talk to you a little bit more about CME Group in a second here, but they're also the sponsor of our podcast on the tape, which drops every Friday morning in your favorite podcast store. Guy, talk to us about CME. Where are we? You and I are in sunny Florida at the moment here. What are we doing? We're in Naples, Florida. We are at the CME Group Tour Championship. This is the LPGA event. This is effectively their FedEx Cup. It's a $5 million purse. The tournament starts tomorrow. Um, I think there are north of 50 golfers here. Today is a pro-am, and CME Group invited us down. And so we're excited to be here. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we're, we're here. The market is uh, it's a little funky today, guy. I see a lot of red. And I see some green, some odd green, but predominantly red here. Um, All right, let's talk markets here really quickly. I just mentioned the sea of red. I see a couple things that are green here. I see Apple up 2%, which is um, pretty interesting here. Um, And then everything else is actually getting, you know, kind of hit hard. Roku's down 11.5%. There was a downgrade there. The target earnings and the response with that stock down 5%, really interesting to me, especially after you saw some of the moves. Um, in retail um, yesterday, um, you know, this Tesla, uh, maybe there was a cleanup situation here. I do think it's interesting that Rivian is down 16% after the day that it had or the run it's had since its IPO. Lucid um, down 7%. Maybe the fever has kind of broken there. Um, Ford hangs in there just below 20 bucks. GM uh, up uh, a few percent here. I think that this... Um, I think that the auto trade has become like one of the most interesting trades in the market, as you can see. Um, I've been uh, uh, really on numerous occasions over the last year kind of using the opportunity to highlight what's going on with AutoNation, especially versus Carvana. I see that as a great pair, long AutoNation. Um, short Carvana, um, our friend Danny Moses, you probably heard him, do a rip off the tape on the podcast um, on Carvana. He thinks there's some funky stuff going um, on over there. Guy, do I have you back? Do you have some good audio? Are you back with us? No, you're not. You're not, you're not back. We need you somewhere else because it's, it's, it's not good. Um, the other thing going on, I mean, this, this headline that Amazon is not going to be able to take Visa cards and, and specifically from the UK. I mean, Visa is down 6%. MasterCard down 4.5%. PayPal, um, one that we talked about the other night on Fast Money, you know, I thought after that kind of move lower into earnings after the Pinterest news, which really wasn't news, but the stock, you know, was holding 200 was making a move back up. Maybe you had a gap fill uh, on the way back up, but that thing's down 5%. It looks like the air has come out of All right, so processor payment can you processor hear me? trade. Can you hear me now? Now I can guy. And it's that kind of like, yeah. Right. Are you back? Are you here? Yeah, and us, I apologize. Buddy? Listen, I apologize. So just to put it into, just to contextualize here, just to get you folks, I've been running through now the lobby of the hotel trying to find what do they call these things like 
what do they call it when you find a hot spot for your your Wi-Fi? They call, your Wi-Fi? They call it a, a Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah, well, I think I might have just found one in a conference room that apparently was just inhabited by a number of people because they're still sort of uh, warm sandwiches. You know, I can see the sort of the, the smoke. So kind of like it's kind of like NCIS Naples, Florida guy. You just cracked the code. I just cracked the code, but I'm so excited yeah. to be back. What I was saying about Terry Duffy, by the way, was you know, he feels the Fed is thrown in the towel a bit in terms of their. Um, transitory inflation thing, and he's concerned at how it manifests itself in the economy, not necessarily the market, but in the economy. So I encourage people to listen to that on our podcast, which will drop on Friday. And we are, as I said, down here in Naples, Florida for the LPGA event, their FedEx Cup, effectively. It's a CME Cup. Uh, I'm thrilled to be down here. I know you are. Our crack producer, Amanda Diaz, is with us. Danny Moses is down here. Ned Michaels of Breaking Even is down here. I mean, we got the whole crew, Dan. We do have the whole crew. All right, Guy, before we lost you, or right after we lost you, I was talking about this news, the Visa, MasterCard, both down, let's say, call it 5%, PayPal down 5%. This is a big move. I mean, like, these stocks, you know, have been massively underperforming over the last few weeks. Um, MasterCard, Visa, actually the last few months, if you think about it. And these gaps lower today. I mean, this is really bad action here. I think Visa's high was 252.5-ish in July. It's trading 203. Um, pretty nasty business. What, what's your take on these names here? You know, they were trading at these premium multiples. It looked like they were literally, you know, they were doing the right things as it related to some of the partnerships they were doing as, a, you know, crypto and that sort of thing. I mean, it just seems like they were decently positioned. And then all of a sudden, at some point in late summer, it was deemed like lights out. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at MasterCard. It, it, it topped out at four one and a half, I think, in July. And it hasn't, listen, obviously, you just mentioned it. All, you know, but for a quick, and you're going to say, what's a but for? But but for a quick move up back, thank you, up to 370 in, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, MasterCard has not traded well at all either. It makes you wonder, I mean, because these were sort of, these two names specifically were sort of bedrock names, names you could rely on for many years, quite frankly. You never saw these peak to trough declines. And now you're seeing it not only, you know, one or two day period. Now, this has gone on for a couple months. Makes you wonder. You mentioned PayPal. Obviously, it started with PayPal with the Pinterest news, but it's only gotten worse since their earnings release and the subsequent move in the stock. Um, not particularly impressive. Now, the S&P 500, again, is impervious to all this. But when you look and you're starting to lose some of the leadership that we've had for so long, it makes you start to wonder. Obviously, the market's not built on MasterCard and Visa and PayPal, but we bring that up because one by one, we're starting to lose some of these pillars. Yeah, one thing interesting to me about like Visa, for instance, you know, expected to have 19% EPS growth, about 17% sales growth in tw- the fiscal 2022. That's their, the fiscal year that they're in right now, trading just a, lo- a little below um, 29 times. And if you think of the stock market trading about, what, 21 and a half times, it really isn't that expensive if you believe that um, EPS and revenue growth. And I guess what the market's saying down nearly 20% from its highs in July, that those estimates are too high. Uh, you know, And so um, you know, we're going to see, obviously, PayPal's um, multiple is uh, a bit higher than that, too. And there's yeah. very different businesses. Now, but, the flip side of that coin is just, to defer, you know, just so we can be fair and balanced, as the saying goes, Home Depot – Another earnings report out of them is just staggering. I mean, that stock, I can't think it came within a whisper of $400. It continues just to sort of grind higher. It's going to be interesting to see, A, 
how much volume the stock trades today. Right now, the, the amount of volume is not crazy. And B, how it closes the day. Obviously, you had that big initial move. It's starting to give a little bit back. You know, is this a day that Home Depot exhausts itself to the upside? The volume does not suggest that, by the way. But the price action is something I think you want to keep an eye on. Oh, come on, guy. Where's that thing going to go? I mean, literally, it went from like 323 in early October. It consolidated in like that 370 are you, or so Are you range. discounting me? By the way, Dan, what <clears throat> we mentioned before, when you put the letters together and spell something, it's an anagram or something? That's or it called a, an acronym. It's called acronym. an acronym. I knew it started with an A. But yeah. if you remember, it was around this time last year when Melissa Lee on CNBC's Fast Money asked us each to come up with our own um yeah. anagram about the market and if you recall uh mine was the hope trade you want to sort of um educate our audience as to what the hope trade is to the extent yeah, that you it was remember home depot or home depot which Palantir is at an all-time high thank and you expedia, in, in expedia yeah. and hey, where I mean, is dude, home depot okay just saying i mean that's been on five uh, you're, you're yeah. I mean, honestly it was a great call your palantir is not working out right now No, it's not um, it's unfortunate i think palantir is like north of, or north just north of 22 which is disappointing I think Palantir should be a lot higher. I'm not that I'm looking to, you know, talk my an- anagram book, but I don't think people realize the Palantir. Uh, there's a crypto security aspect to Palantir that they're just not talking about for whatever reason. And I think when the market catches wind of that, the stock could go significantly higher and it would make that hope trade, which has been extraordinary, even more so. Back to you. You know, I like to do the charts. I like to draw lines on charts every once in a while. If you draw a line, guy, from the March 2021 low, okay, this year, Home Depot was trading. You ready for this? You know how low it got? It got to 246. It's trading again, 395. And then you connect it, okay, you draw a line to that October low. Like I said, it was just somewhere in that kind of 325-ish range. And you do the breakout level of where it broke out in October, which just so happened to be, that's a horizontal line at 346. Those kind of intersect. I mean, the 50-day moving average is there at 350. I mean, at some point, this thing's going to pull back. You know where to buy it. It's somewhere between 360 and 350 if you're looking for um, a reload. All right, we're talking about earnings, guy. we got to talk about NVIDIA that reports tonight after mm. the close. Um, okay, one, can I just tell a little story here, yeah, Dan? Do you mind? I mean, you I hate the board. Your trading but spaces. Just, yeah. Well, no, it's not mine. It's ours. And not only is it ours, it's our audiences. So I don't want to sort of glom into this. But what I'll tell you is uh, if we make it to January, we've been doing Fast Money for 15, one, five years, which is extraordinary. I had never missed a show um, prior to this one event. It was a snowstorm. I believe it was October. might have been November. It was when uh, Phil Murphy had just taken over. And the snow was not terrible, but it was enough to basically cripple, paralyze every single road in New Jersey. It took me about four hours to get from my house to Route 78. I mentioned that because I wound up missing the show that night. But on that night, Dan, if you recall, NVIDIA reported and the stock went down, I think, about 15, 15 percent in a in in basically in an instant. So we've seen moves to the downside of significant magnitude over the years in NVIDIA. And quite frankly, given the run it's had, I mean, just look at what the stock has done since early October. Um, Given that run, it makes you wonder what are they could possibly say for this run to continue? Just something to think about. And I hope you like my story. 
I mean, we had to wait for it. We had to work for it, didn't we, people? But I think it yeah, does well, make sense. I remember that day when you couldn't make it there. I mean, listen, the stock was $200 at the start of October. It was just a little bit below that. It just made this crazy high of 323 So here we are at 293 Guy, you can do the math. What's 323 to 293 over the last few weeks, right? Oh, that's you've had, about, what's about, I don't know, 10%, yeah, give or take? Yeah, about 10, yeah, there Thank you go, 10%, give or take. But this thing is still up, you know, if you look at it, 50% basically in um, a month and a half, which seems insane. You've heard me say this before, and to answer your question, what are they going to have to do? I mean, this company is expected to grow earnings and sales, let's call it mid to high teens, in fiscal 2023 here. Um, that is the out year, and it trades about 63 times earnings and 25 times sales. So I'm just not certain. I talk to smart people in the semi-space and tech, and they're saying, well, those numbers are way, way too low. If that's the case, then it trades, I guess, reasonably, but the stock's up 125%. So I think that NVIDIA could be a really important, um, you know, how – Investors react to whatever they have to say, I think, could be really important from here until the end of the year, especially in some of these names that have massively outperformed. If you think about AMD guy and NVIDIA over the last month, I mean, they literally were going up 10% on, like, analyst upgrades. You know what I mean? Like, right? Weren't there a couple instances? So it, it Without like question. Got, yeah, we got in a little silly now, here. But, so okay, so you also appear on Fast Money frequently, if not, you know, all every evening as well. And so... You're, you're privy to many of the conversations we have. I know you know this because we've mentioned Qualcomm now. For you technicians out there, I think Helene is with us. Stock traded down to 125. It held a bit of a double bottom. And look at the move in Qualcomm since then and since their earnings release. And look what the stock did today. I believe, Dan Nathan, that Qualcomm made a new all-time high today. And even at these current levels you can make a pretty compelling case for Qualcomm on valuation. So not all chip stocks are created equal in terms of some of these lofty numbers that we are seeing. Back to you. Yeah, that's a fact, Jack. Um, Guy, what is your general sense, though, as we think about – you mentioned Home Depot – just in general, like retail, um, you know, you have TJ Maxx up 8%. I just want to hit that because I know there's more retail to come here. And we know that we're getting into, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all that other crap. I know you're running out to the Short Hill Mall. You're going to be there yeah. right before Thanksgiving and camping out. Yeah. What's your take on some of these names? Because this is also a space, you know, like you see Macy's down 5% today. I mean, the, the moves in some of the department stores have been out of control. It seems like we're discounting a lot of good news, especially as we just kind of had that weak consumer um, confidence data or consumer spending data. Um, and we know that, you know, some of the combinations between higher prices, whether it be at the pump, whether it be um, in scarce, uh, you know, goods and stuff like that, it's, it's not going to be like a, the normal sort of holiday selling season. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. But what I've also learned over the years is you never bet against the U.S. consumers want to spend. Again, doesn't mean they should be capable of any of those things you want to say, but they absolutely will spend. And you're right. I mean, these consumer confidence numbers that came out, sort of a bit of a head scratcher. To me, I, I think it's pretty much an overlay of sort of the a the political environment that we find ourselves in, one and two, the fact that now you've had people sort of come to the realization that prices are higher. And I think it's as simple as that. But I don't think it's going to keep people from spending. In terms of the retailers that you mentioned, I think William Sonoma uh, reports. I want to say today, if I'm mistaken, I apologize. It's either today or tomorrow. WSM is obviously a name we've talked about for a while. I have fun with William Sonoma because we talk about their Dutch <laughs> ovens. Uh, for you, you know, for you sophomoric people out there, you will find yourself laughing 
For others, you will find yourself tuning out. For me, uh, it's been a way for me to talk about the name, which has defied logic now over the last couple of years. So I'm keeping an eye on WSM, Dan Nathan. Hey, just real quickly, Guy, while you were gone, I just mentioned, you know, Tesla. Um, you know, stock's at 1075 right here. It's up 2%. Um, it seems to be, like, you think this is just a situation that everyone's kind of, like, trading against that number that they think, uh, Elon Musk has to sell as far as stock is concerned. Maybe they pull back a little bit. But I think the reversal in Rivian um, is really maybe important just from a sentiment standpoint. Is that one you think worth keeping an eye on here? Absolutely. It's funny. On the plane down last night, I was asking you. You had your um, your computer up as I was sleeping next to you. And when I woke up, I looked over and I saw you You know, working on a number of things. And I said, what are Rivian – what are the Rivian 150, um, I think I said March puts or something? And I only mention that because – No, you asked the, you know, this you thing asked is, the March 100s guy. The 100, March 100s, I apologize. So, the, so options just got listed, what, yesterday or two days ago. And you said because the stock went public at, what, 78 bucks. You're like, what do those hundreds look like? And the stock was trading yesterday, what, like one – it was probably close to 180 or something, 175. So it was yeah. up, it was up mm-hmm. almost a hundred dollars in a week from its offering price. And at that price, the 100 that are $75 out of the money. Okay. So how many months is that? It's about three and a half, four months or something like that. Four and a half months. Um, those puts were offered at $15. So if you bought a yeah. hundred put in March, this was obviously yesterday when the stock was higher, you would have actually needed a break even of $85, which would still be above its IPO price. So what did that say? How, however, time? what's interesting, Dan, is then we got into a whole convexity conversation. Now I'm really making people's <laughs> eyes glaze over. So, yes, you're right in terms of the break evens. But you know and I know that th- these options tend to be a living and breathing thing, which is why, by the way, you should watch Dan's um, his his fidelity thing that comes out, I believe, on Wednesdays, Dan. Is that correct? Yeah, it'll be out Where this you point afternoon. Out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we it's, did. It's, it's tremendous. It and it of I'll course, tweet it out. yeah, please. And there's also that great show, I believe, that airs Fridays at 5.30. Um, the name of that show, of course, is Options Action, which, Dan, yes. you used to appear on regularly, which is a very hard word for me to say. But who outside of the regulars is the most regular person on Options Action? Please um, educate our audience, Dan. It's, it's Mike Hot Coco Beware. I mean, I did that no, show. No, 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 no. It's not. It's years. not. No. Oh, no, they oh, are you, the regulars. You. Oh, oh, oh. Thank you, yes, Dan. You are, you are the, you when, are the most, So when they yeah. need somebody to fill in, um, yeah, G Swizzle here comes to the rescue. And I enjoy doing it because, you know, I typically, any room I'm in, I'm typically not the smartest one in that room. Well, on this show, I'm, I'm definitely not the smartest one on the show. So I enjoy that. So back to you. All right, guy. I want to hit a couple more things. I want to hit um, pharma. I want to hit some of like Moderna is up five percent today, and that stock traded five hundred dollars. You were all over that yeah. thing on the breakout at two hundred. I don't know if you thought it was going to get to five hundred in a matter of months, but it did this summer, and now it basically almost round trip that entire move earlier this month. Um, trying to kind of hold out here, and you know it's two forty-five ish. There's a gap to be filled. There's one gap to three hundred. There's a three hundred to three fifty. That was some crazy price action this month. Um, what's your take on Moderna? And then let's hit Pfizer really quickly because that thing's back above fifty, up two percent. Yeah, I mean, just for, you, for again, just looking at it technically speaking. Look, first of all, I think Moderna is a very important company right now. I think right now the market cap is now below a hundred billion dollars. I think it is Zenith that got north of $220 billion. Not that that matters necessarily, but what I'll say is I still think that that's the case. But 
for the technicians out there, you'll notice that this is this level, this sort of this 235 level ish that we traded down to. That's where we broke out from in a meaningful way in July. I mean, that's when the stock went basically mm -hmm. parabolic, went from 230. I think I think the high was what, Dan, 490 something in the middle of the yeah. summer. And it's obviously pulled back, as you mentioned. So I think this is a level where you could probably look. Um, to take to put on for a long side trade in terms of the risk reward that it provides you with. So we're not getting verification from the volume today. I think it's only traded about 5 million shares. It typically trades about 13 million. So you're not going to get a big volume day, but it is an interesting move today, Dan, Nathan. All right. What do you think of Pfizer? About 50. You think a lot of good news is in it here. You don't think it's that much? Well, I think finally, I mean, think about Pfizer for how long Pfizer was between 37 and $42 years. I mean, literally years. Uh, and then that huge news came out in the spring of this early spring of this year. Obviously, the stock had that move back to 44 and then the subsequent move lower. Now it's finally found its sea legs and now it's trading at levels that make sense in terms of valuation. So I've thought for a while that Pfizer should be north of 50. But that never came to fruition for whatever reason. Now, the market's deciding to reward Pfizer. I mean, valuation wise, you can still make a compelling case. I still think that Eli Lilly, in terms of um, big cap pharma, is the best in best in breed. All right. One of the things that we really enjoy doing here, Guy, is we, we love dispelling certain um, beliefs that maybe viewers of Fast Money think of us, perma this, perma that. Myths. Uh, fed, the mythology. We're dispelling well, the mythology. I mean, listen, we, ha we have a little fun with some of it too, okay? Um, you've been calling for higher oil, and you've been correct. All year long, you've been uh, calling for higher, higher crude oil. Mm. Um, we not had today. To, not today, well, mate. Well, that's the thing, and I've been calling for the other way. And, and, you know, I'm wrong sometimes. You're wrong sometimes. You're right sometimes. And vice versa here. This one, to me, really feels like from purely just kind of like the noise level around inflation and some of the bottlenecks and some of – it just this one just doesn't. I think that no one saw it going from you know w the peak in July. This is crude again, okay, in the mid seventies down to the low sixties, and then when it bottomed out, and then it got back up to the mid seventies, up oh, well mid eighties, and a lot, there was a lot of cries for a hundred dollar oil. This thing has just broken what was a very steep uptrend from mid um, August, and you know September and October was just unabated, and November has had a different uh, tone, if you will. What do you think accrued? I know that you thought it would be a mistake if the Biden administration taps the uh, petroleum reserve. I think huge <laughs> mistake. One of the headlines though was that that China may do the same, um, and forget about like policy mistake, but let's just assume that that telegraphing speaks to other things and just jawbones you know, the price of oil lower or jawbones the potential for greater um, capacity in other places. You know, what happens to crude? Because to me, it easily goes back to that breakout level in the mid 70s. We're not far from there one yep. day like today. And then are we back at 70 bucks or so? Well, I mean, you're going to draw a chart. I'm sure Amanda will put it up on our trading spaces account where you have a very significant um, downtrend, 13 year downtrend. It, look, you could say we broke, but effectively, here we are right at those levels. I still think higher, and as you mentioned, I think tapping the SPR because of prices going higher is the absolute wrong reasons. I mean, there's nothing that's happened to suggest that that should be done. I think that's the old saying, you know, don't, don't pull until they blink their eyes. Well, th that would be, in my opinion, the Biden administration Wait, blinking. Wait, is that an old saying? How, how old? How old is that? Is I don't that, know. I mean, I should like probably look back. I think up. we talked like about it. You just you made that up. Uh, maybe I did. I'm not sure. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still wandering around the foyer of this lobby <laughs> of this hotel. So 
I mean, um, people so- are looking at me talking into a phone. No, that's fine. Um, in terms of what I think it means for crude, yeah, maybe you get a couple days sell-off. But I think, to me, the trend is still higher. And I'll stand by something that I've said for a while. I still think you're going to see triple-digit oil by the end of the year. I don't mean triple-digit $150, but I do mean triple-digit $100. It would not surprise me in the least. And just may I mention something, Dan, because you know that's what we do here. Of course you um, One yeah, of my buddies, his name, his name is Fran Abagu. Fran just um, asked me to talk about Peloton, but... I don't want to necessarily talk about Peloton. I want to say that Fran and I grew up together in Croton on the Hudson. His family subsequently moved to Irvington, which is also a Westchester County town. Some of you may know that last name because Erica Bagu was the original protect this house under armor guy. If you remember the original really? campaign. Yeah. And the reason why Eric did that is because Eric played football at the University of Maryland and he got to know Kevin Plank. So, Fran, if you're listening, how are you? And Fran will remember that his senior year in high school, my junior year in high school, we traveled to Irvington on a Sunday because we got rained out on the prior Saturday to play Irvington, which was the fourth ranked team in the state. And we proceeded to kick their ass. Back to you, Dan. I love that story. I, well, just, just uh, no, to you don't. Off, no, you don't. No, you don't. I fine, actually but... I actually do. And, and you've told me other stories about your basketball playing days at Curtin on the Hudson. I am fascinated by it. I mean that seriously. You are a throwback guy, Donnie. You know I feel that I, way I, about I, I you. I think a lot of people would like to do that, would just throw me back. But that's – listen, I said to Terry Duffy earlier today that I sh- literally I, – I should have been born in the 1920s. Like I am 100 years <laughs> too late in terms of the way I – but that's, you know, it is what it is. Well, we all agree with you. Just let me just finish up the crude oil thing. I, I actually think that we've seen other commodity prices that had these crazy runs this year and they've come back and obviously some have stayed um, kind of high. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that was it for crude guy. I, I really do. I, and I didn't mean that as it relates to the markets. As I, I meant it as it relates to pundits and what they think it means either for the economy and for the markets and you know so who cares whether it was a month or six months or this and that or whatever we always have dislocations in different markets right or in different um, parts of the economy or in different geographies or whatever but things will revert and I just do not believe that all of the deflationary pressures that that have been literally weighing on the economy for like the last 20 years as it, like technology has just seeped its way into everything. I just don't believe that this pandemic has changed the course of um, economic for good. You know, I just don't. So I think we're going to be back. I think 2022 is going to be a story of, oh. There was a lot of double and triple ordering. Oh, we have mm. lots of gluts of stuff that, you know, were really scarce last year or for the last 18 months. That's my take. And you tell me, I, I, I think it's going to be a drag on growth going forward. And I also think there's risk that Q4 doesn't materialize from a growth perspective the way a lot of people think. Um, mm. And I'm not sure we get it back in Q1 or Q2. So that's all. Uh, there are a know. lot of people that share that view and it probably makes the most are sense. And I and, share that view? Yeah. I, no, no, well, right. no, I shouldn't. So no, I'm not, say, no, I'm not saying. Let's talk about rates, guys. So Hold on. Before we why? talk about rates, which are going yeah. higher, by the way, you mentioned are the word they? way. I remember when I was in fourth grade. When I was in fourth grade, our teacher asked us, we had to send, give her a list of all the words that were spelled differently but sounded alike. Um, yeah. And back then, it was prior to the Internet, so you couldn't go to your Google machine and do it as a lot of kids do now. And the winner of the contest was the, the guy or gal that was able to get the most words that, that sounded alike and were spelled differently. And you just mentioned way. And damn, I wish I had thought of that way back when in 1948 because I would have used way <laughs> um, at W-H-E-Y and way, W-A-Y, as well as way, 
W-E-I-G-H. And rates are going higher. Back to you. Well, no, I, you know, so let me ask you this, Guy. I mean, so originally the reaction to the taper announcement, which was obviously very well telegraphed a couple of weeks ago, rates went lower. They got as low maybe as one four one in the 10-year. Now we bounced or we're trading at 1.6 right now. If you draw a line, okay, from the 2020 highs, if you will, um, it was somewhere uh, in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield about – I don't know, it's close to one one nine five or something. Does that sound right? And then I'm just looking at it right now. Am I balling it? And then in March of this year, we had one point seven seven, and then just last uh, month we had uh, you know almost one point seven. So this high that we just made the other day, you know, is like one six four or something like that. If we were to break, okay, if we were going to head back to one four, what does it mean in, in this? Given everything that we know. What would it mean uh, lower rates to you guy right now? I mean, like, what does it mean well, for markets? What does it mean you know, for expectations you know, I think, of growth? I mean, it would be, I think, you know, you've talked about this. Well, obviously, look, we made the move down to 111, 112 in the 10 year this year. So market didn't seem to care about that either. But what would it mean? Well, it mean a number of things. I mean, the fact that it, our rates are just basically, um, people find them attractive just in relation to what we're seeing globally, number one. And number two, mm-hmm. I think some of the things that you talked about, the fact that, yeah, you have these disruptions now, but there's going to be this glut on the back end and maybe rates going lower sort of signifies or is sort of signaling exactly that. So I actually can make an argument that lower rates, which historically should be good for stocks under that scenario, would actually be really bad. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 finish this off and talk about one thing near and dear to your heart. One thing that's becoming New York Ranger hockey. Rangers are 10, three and three. One of the best <laughs> records in the NHL. Capo Caco has now scored goals in two consecutive games. You're starting to see some life out of Lafreniere. Trouba is playing like the defenseman that we thought we were going to get when we signed him. Um, I think he's a top five defenseman in the game right now. Adam Fox, what can you say? Norris Trophy winner last year. Shesterkin between the pipes is playing out of his mind. Obviously, Panarin is a world-class talent. Zibanejad has not gotten started yet. He will. I think we still need somebody in the middle, um, sort sort of a third-line center. But I love the grit, and I love what Ryan Reeves brings to this team. How's that in a nutshell? Uh, Thank you. Yeah, near, near and dear to your heart. The other thing is the shiny metal guy. Because back oh, in what was the sorry. 60s, when you started in the business, um, you were trading gold. Um, and you and I have been talking about this a lot lately. You thought gold would have its day. It's kind of having its day. It just broke out below or above this downtrend that's been in place from the August 2020 all-time highs, which you were all over that. Now, this downtrend's kind of nasty. I mean, listen, it's making this little flag here. How I feel about this crap, I don't think it's particularly interesting. I think every in- incremental dollar that might be interested in an inflation hedge or a hedge against calamity probably goes to Bitcoin or some other form of crypto. Um, what's your take on gold here? Will it hold this downtrend? Is it establishing a new range above it? Because then it's got to get above 1900, which was the highs from the summer or late spring guy. What are we doing in gold here? I, you know, I can hear you. The, the, the dismissiveness in your voice oh, is palpable, no. even with me being oh, two no. floors away, number one. Number two, <laughs> yes, I think gold is going to break out. If you look at what central banks around the world have been doing, they're absolutely been hoarding the physical metal. Number three, what do they call it when you tease something that's going to be on a show? What do they call that, Dan? You call it, it's called a tease. Oh, so there you go. Well, yeah. I'm just going to tease that Terry Duffy, uh, CME Group CEO, actually – made comments about gold, talking about the utility of Bitcoin and crypto, but how when people finally figure out what it's about, gold might rise from those ashes. I encourage you to tune in 
I know I will be tuning in, Dan Nathan. I also think that both gold and rates can go higher. Yes, I said it back to you. And by the way, yeah, no, did you like yeah. did you like my did you like how quick that was a 20 second breakdown of the New York Rangers that was just spot on. I mean, spot on. I don't think the beat writers from the team could have done a better job. Yeah, same for the fan, bro. Um, no, that was honestly was seriously uh, impressive. And then maybe when next time we do spaces, you'll do one on your New York football giants here. I'll just say this quickly on Bitcoin. I think what's going on um, in crypto generally right now, we've had the sell-off in the last week, week and a half or so. Um, we had Packy McCormick of Not Boring Capital, Not Boring Newsletter on Fast Money on Monday talking about this DAO, this decentralized autonomous organization that is raising uh, ETH to buy, you ready for this, one of 11 remaining copies of the U.S. Constitution Stop. that is for auction at Sotheby's tomorrow afternoon. The estimate was somewhere between $14 million and $20 million. You know how much they've raised, guys? So when Packy came on, they had raised a million dollars at that point. They have raised um, over, uh, I think, I think they're almost 70%. They're trying to raise $20 million, and even then it might go for more. I think they've already raised like $13 million, which is crazy. And this is not somebody, if you are giving ETH to this project, you are not going to own a fractional you know, piece of the U.S. Constitution. You're basically giving rights to this DAO that it basically can – you know, place it into a museum or something like that. And you're going to have governance tokens and that's how this stuff works. I just think it's really interesting because it's just another use case for some of the stuff that most of us don't understand right now. Um, but that's something that if you were to hey, see Dan, crypto. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know if Packy's here and I know you love this shit and I do as well, but you know what, yeah. you know what they should do if they were really smart, they should yeah. get Nicolas Cage as their like spokesperson. Remember that great movie he was in where he steals. Yeah, dude, they're already, they're already the, memeing it. It's, you know, he's a big part of all the memes, and you know the crypto stop. folks, they love the memes. Stop. So, yes, if you go, go, to, go to Constitution Dow, D-A-O, at Constitution Dow on Twitter, and you'll see that they basically put he, – he's all so over somebody, this thing. I don't, I don't think Somebody beat me to that left. punch. Yeah, to participate oh. in it. But I'll just say this, drawing a quick line from the lows in Bitcoin, um, right below 30,000 to the lows in like late September, um, and then the highs in September. You kind of get a 50,000 sort of number. I think there's a lot of people would love to buy that there. You know that I reload on my ETH every time we have um, a big pullback. All right, listen, guys, that was a lot. This has been a lot of fun doing trading spaces from Naples, Florida, from the CME group. What is, what's going on? What, what is this event? Um, it's the CME group. It's LPGA, a pro-am. But LPGA. Yeah. This is a basically what's equivalent to the, the FedEx Cup for the men. This is this is the Super Bowl for the women. Prize money. Yep. The purse is $5 million. By the way, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but so what? I will. I think Terry's going to increase that purse. And I think the winner walks away with close to $2 million. They should wow. be on par with men, but we're getting closer, which is encouraging. The pro-am is going on as we speak. Danny Moses is probably impelling himself on the course. And then Michael's <laughs> is probably shooting like eight under. All right, man. That was fun. Um, thanks to CME Group. We're having a great time down here. Um, you guys can catch some of Terry and Guy and myself on Fridays on the Tape podcast. Um, we... We'll check you guys out next Monday uh, coming up. I think we're not doing uh, – what are we going to do? We're going to do Monday and Wednesday trading spaces, 1 o'clock, again, sponsored by CME Group. Thanks a lot, Guy Dami. Thanks for everybody 
who joined us here today. You can also check this out in the podcast stores. We're going to have to do a little editing because the guy's audio today, but that'll be in there later today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.